Hi there, it's Francine Lacqua, host of In the City. I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not gonna want to miss. The Deal, co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers and executives like Maria Sharapova, Michael Strahan, Derek Jeter and more. The deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, media and entertainment and dives into the wins, losses and lessons learned along the way. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Originals on YouTube. I'm Francine Lacqua, and this is In the City, Bloomberg's podcast connecting you to the stories and the voices at the heart of the city of London. Now, this week, you get a bonus episode. We're in Davos, where the World Economic Forum is almost coming to a close. There has been very little visibility from UK businesses, but if the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak skipped Davos and his Chancellor, Labour is here in force and they are visible. Davos is actually Labour's most high-profile attempt at business engagement, although it has been trying to build those relations for over years. Now, Starmer and Reeves, the Shadow Chancellor and the Head of Labour, met with executives and investors here at the World Economic Forum to explain, really, their plans and drum up support. And after that, we sat down with Rachel Reeves. Why are you here today with Keir Starmer? It's really important for Keir and me to be here to bang the drum for Britain and to say loud and clear, under a Labour government, Britain will very much be open for business. There's nothing that an incoming Labour government can achieve without business playing its part, creating the jobs and the investment that we want to see in Britain. Our business listening. We've had an incredibly receptive response from business uh, today and during our time here in Davos. Many businesses, many investors, as you well know, were shaken by the events of last year and the economic yes. turmoil with the fall in the pound, the rising in borrowing costs, the withdrawal of all those mortgage uh, products. And they want to know from Labour that our plans are built on a rock of financial and economic responsibility, and they are, but also that there is a plan for growth and a deliverable plan for growth because one of the reasons why Britain has been so uniquely exposed to shock after shock, whether it is the COVID pandemic, the uh, Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine, the cost of living crisis, is because our economy has not grown, has not had the productivity over the last decade or so. Given all of the turmoil that we had in UK politics over the last eight months or so, have business leaders told you that they see Labour now as the party for business? Well, Labour want to say to business that we are proudly pro-business and, and as I say, we want to work in partnership with business to unblock some of those things that are discouraging investment in the UK and holding us back as an economy. And that's why we're putting forward our plans, for example, to make Britain the best place to start and grow a business. The review done for Labour by Lord Jim O'Neill, our Green Prosperity Plan to help Britain be a global leader in some of the industries of 
of the future from green hydrogen to small modular reactors uh, to floating offshore wind and also to fix some of the mess in the government's Brexit deal, which we know is uh, discouraging some businesses, particularly smaller businesses, from exporting and holding us back as a country. Are there any parts of the industry that you won't take investment in? What would you do with fossil fuels? Well, fossil fuels are still going to play an important part in our economy for many uh, years to come. But we want to speed up that transition to net zero, which is why we've set out our green prosperity plan. Government investing through a national wealth fund alongside business in some of those industries of the future. Because, look, some country is going to be a global leader in green hydrogen. Why shouldn't it be Britain? The same for carbon capture and storage. The same for floating offshore wind. I'm hugely ambitious for the UK. I think we can lead in some of these industries, but we've got to partner with business if we're going to get ahead in that race. So th- this week, British Vault, which is a you know battery startup, went into administration. Under a Labour government, how would you have dealt with that? What would you have done differently to make sure that it would have stayed afloat? It's so frustrating. You know, whether it's British Vault or a different company, we need to be building up our capacity for building batteries. We won't have a car industry in Britain unless we are building the batteries here. That's why other countries around the world are getting their house in order and doing just that. The government just sit aside while a company like British Vault go under and have no serious plans uh, for getting us uh, in that market. We're still a net exporter of cars in the UK. The real fear is that in years to come, we'll be importing cars, we'll be importing steel, because we failed at this moment to make the choices that were necessary to get us in the game for those industries of the future. But um, what would a Labour government have done? Would you have stepped in to help British Vault? Look, I'm not sure at the stage we got to this week that that would have been appropriate, but we could have partnered with perhaps British Vault, but also other companies who want to invest in Britain to speed up some of the regulatory and the planning issues, to sort out some of the issues with the grid and connections, uh, to work with business to show that this is a great place to uh, invest. And the government just sits aside while businesses like that fail with no concern, it feels to me, about how we're going to ensure that we've got a thriving automotive sector right into the future. So back home there are strikes, right? in the UK, what would you do to stop them? Would you give the workers the rise they're asking for? The only way to resolve these industrial disputes is to get around the table with the people who work in that sector and the trade unions that represent them. We heard from the head of the Royal College of Nursing before Christmas that she was willing to call off the strikes if only Rishi Sunak would get in a room with her and have a meeting and discussion. The RCN and others have said they are willing to negotiate on pay, but to negotiate, you need a partner to negotiate with. And we're now in a situation where the railways, the nurses, the ambulances, the teachers, industry after industry taking industrial action at a time when our economy desperately needs our public services to be functioning properly and when our public services are not just on their knees, but in some cases flat on their face. And the government have got to take that responsibility and negotiate. Now, I'm 
I'm not going to just pick numbers out of the air. That's not what we would do in government, and we won't do that in opposition either. But if we were in government today, we'd be round that table resolving this dispute. That's what Labour did when we were last in government, which is why we didn't see industrial uh, action on anything like this scale. Inflation was you know, not as high as now, so it, it's a little bit of a different kind of environment. Are, are you worried that this will just last on unless they get fair wages or higher wages, even if it's not what they ask, at least much higher than they have now? Anyone in business knows that disputes are only resolved through negotiation and discussion and also a building back of trust. And that trust between the government and so many public sector workers has been undermined by the way they've been uh, treated. You know, a couple of years ago, we were all in Britain standing on our doorsteps clapping the nurses. And the government just this week introduced into Parliament legislation that will make it easier to sack nurses uh, if they take industrial action. That is no way to treat key public sector workers. Uh, Labour wouldn't be um, um, uh, doing that. And the risk is that that sort of legislation to make it easier to sack public sector workers is only going to make these disputes worse. It's not going to resolve the problems. We understand that the government will hold off putting tax cuts in place at the spring budget. Where do you stand on tax cuts? Well, since the last general election in December 2019, we've had more than 20 tax rises from the Conservatives. And they've become a high tax party because they've become a low growth party. And because the money is not coming in through a growing and prosperous economy, they're having to resort to tax increases. I want to grow the economy so we can keep taxes as low as possible, whilst also having money to uh, ensure that our schools and our hospitals are functioning properly. But we saw last year, you can't make unfunded uh, tax cuts. You're not going to get away with it. So, look, the government have got to act within the fiscal constraints uh, that exist in Britain and, and, and elsewhere. I would like to see lower taxes on working people, but you've got to grow the economy if you want to do that. Hi there, it's Francine Lacroix, host of In the City. I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss. The Deal, co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers and executives like Maria Sharapova, Michael Strahan, Derek Jeter and more. The deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, media and entertainment and dives into the wins, losses and lessons learned along the way. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Originals on YouTube. Keir Starmer and Rachel Rees were definitely not slow to embrace the Davos spirit attending Matthew Freud's party on Wednesday with Kemi Badenoch, Tony Blair, Princess Beatrice and Princess Eugenie. On the other hand, the government sent only a skeleton delegation to Davos this year with Business Secretary Grant Shapps and International Trade uh, Secretary Kemi Badenoch standing in for the Prime Minister. Now, both parties, everybody knows, vying for that business vote, which really proved key to Labour's 1997 election under Tony Blair. Now, the Business Secretary Grant Shapps also spoke to me here in Davos, and he promised the UK would remain an open economy where new and growing businesses can flourish. 
Now, you've just given um, a bit of a, a speech for the UK, rallying the troops, scaling up in businesses. What is your message here to the community in Davos? Yes, simple message, actually, which is the UK very much open for business, attracting record levels of investment. We just saw PwC come out with a report this week that says that the UK is the third most investable country in the world. They're saying more bosses want to come and invest in the UK uh, than almost anywhere else. And that was the message I was delivering to the Confederation of British Business, really kind of getting across this idea that we, we are open for business and we want to scale up Britain. What kind of investment are you trying to attract? Because a, lo a lot of the narrative I hear in the corridors is like, is, is the UK in a more stable place now? Well, it's definitely politically more stable. Obviously, we went through some uh, slightly choppier waters, I think it's fair to say. Um, but it's uh, completely stable. Uh, Rishi Sunak has set out his top five priorities uh, for this year, uh, and uh, they include growth which is why I came to flesh that out um, here in Davos. Um, and uh, look, you've got a country that has one of the world's only $3 trillion tech sectors. There's only America, China, and the United Kingdom. So a lot of that will be in tech, AI, pulling together things like our amazing university sector, uh, uh, but not just that, culture, many other areas that, that the UK has real strengths in. And have you actually had commitment from international companies in putting more money for 2023? And is that also thanks to cheaper pound? Well, I think, um, of course, the pound has strengthened somewhat now, it should be somewhat. said. But, uh, but um, I, I think a lot of these investments are long term, but I've been talking to companies who are, for example, example, building amazing, um, you know, uh, renewable energy resources in the UK. So the UK, people won't know this. People even in the UK won't know this. But we have the world's biggest uh, offshore wind farm. And we have the world's second biggest and third biggest and fourth biggest. Bloomberg viewers know that. Uh, Bloomberg, of course, Bloomberg would be all over it. But, but m most people won't be aware. And actually, that's because we've been investing for years. And I've met a lot of people here who want to do even more. So the next set of wind farms are going to be the size of seven football pitches put together in a single yeah. turbine and 300 yeah. of the turbines next to each other. That's real scale and that's why we're producing more renewable energy, I think, than any other uh, nation in Europe and certainly the world's biggest wind farms. Are, are you concerned that actually Labour are slightly dominating with Keir Starmer, the head of the Labour Party and also the Shadow Chancellor here, trying to also attract business? Are they, are they the next party for business? No, not really for two reasons. One, you know, we are, you know, it, it, of course, welcome democracy, that, that's good, it spurs us all on. But, you know, in the end, uh, myself as business secretary and my colleague from the cabinet, uh, Kemi, uh, who is the, the trade secretary, we are the ones in power, right? So we have the ability to actually do things. Secondly, and no disrespect to Sir Keir Starmer, uh, but it's not very long ago that he sat in Jeremy Corbyn's cabinet, the extreme left-wing leader of the Labour Party, and was telling us that he believed everything that Jeremy Corbyn stood for, and that was mainly to trash business. So it's an incredible but, yeah. sort of, uh, you know, conversion if he is here, and I think business is still rather wary of that. You think, as we're hearing otherwise, actually, that, that he is trying to, you know, lure business in preparation well, for sure the next I'm sure he's very, I'm sure he's very convincing. He's a lawyer, right, by, by trade, right, and he'll take, pick up a brief and he'll take that brief and he'll turn to it and he'll, he'll deliver it just like any barrister or a lawyer, in his case, can. Uh, and uh, so I'm sure he's very convincing, but I'm not sure if he was able to stand at the last election under the banner of Jeremy Corbyn, who was content to destroy business. And actually, when him and his chancellor, or his chancellor came here once, Corbyn's yeah. chancellor, they came here uh, to, to slate business, to slate British business. You know, Sir Keir Starmer sat in that cabinet.
applauding it. But, but uh, the polls are not in your favor, sir. Would it not be better that both parties, actually both main parties, are pro-business? Well, look, I, I, look I, I'm very, very happy don't know for... What happens sure. in two years. I'm very, very happy for all of us to be pro-business. We are all, all always have been. We've always been. You know, I started my own printing company 32 years ago when I was 21 years of age. I'm probably the first business secretary for quite some time who actually came from a business background. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, that's an experience I've had. I think that it's really important that any government or governments are pro-business. Yeah. And so, of course, I mean, that's, that, you know, th th to be welcome. I would just ask whose heart's really in it. Um, if you look at the Inflation Reduction Act, we hear a lot of leaders here saying what the U.S. is doing is not fair. Should we not do the same in the U.K.? So I do think that, you know, the United States has a lot of catching up to do. 10, 12 years ago, we were investing in, for example, those wind farms uh, and essentially with some subsidy yeah. to get them going. Now they fund themselves much in, you know, actually producing some of the cheapest electricity. We've already have, uh, you know, plans in place to have no more petrol and diesel cars sold in the UK by 2030, less than eight years time. So we're already way ahead of the, the, the mark. Uh, America's catching up. So there's much in the Inflation Reduction Act that I welcome. America yeah. really getting on with it. On the other hand, there are one or two things there, like rules of origin, which are not just anti-competitive, but protectionist. And uh, I know that Biden has already talked about trying to resolve those things. I've also been speaking to my American opposite number, the Commerce, Commerce Secretary uh, and uh, people like John Kerry about this, and, and I'm hopeful that this all gets resolved in the round. Um, talk to me a little bit about bankruptcies. Do you worry that once the energy support package is being taken out in the spring that a lot of companies will, will simply go bust with higher interest rates and the world they're facing? So, um, first of all, we're keeping five and a half billion pounds of smaller business support, which is, amount. of course, smaller than yeah. the 18 billion pounds we've been running up to now. Uh, I think, and we'll keep this you know, under close watch, but uh, I think um, it's true to say that energy prices, and certainly the gas wholesale price, has come down a lot from its peak. I looked uh, day before yesterday, it was 137 pence per therm. I can remember it up at over 600 pence per therm. So it's come down a lot. We need to see that actually lead through to the business bills being lower. I've written to our, our regulator, Ofgem, about this, as has the Chancellor, and we look to ensure that the consumer, or in this case the business, is actually getting those reductions. So uh, the cost of wasted energy for poorly insulated tomb is also a, mm. a big topic. It will mm. total almost 13 billion in the two years through uh, October of 2024. The IPPR has called on the government to bring forward nearly £6 billion in energy efficiency, um, you know, promised from 2025. Is that yeah, so 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 we not a, we're still spending the money, which is an even larger sum, which actually still applies up to 2025. And I do agree, we have Victorian homes by and large. Well, they we did do. not Drafty. do. They did not do insulation. <laughs> they did many things. The Victorians, they were brilliant, but they didn't do draft uh, exclusion properly. Um, but I, I think it's true that we've gone from about 11% of homes which yeah. are at energy performance C and above, so the better ones, to 46% of uh, British homes being in that category. So we are actually making progress on this, and we've got further to go. I've got more that I'll be announcing, and you know, watch the space. Okay, so you'll come back on. I would love to, of course. Okay. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what kind of ties you're expecting between the UK and the Gulf states. Yeah, well, I was there the last week, states. actually, in yeah. the, the Gulf. I was in Saudi Arabia and then in the Emirates. And uh, there's, there's a huge amount of sort of joint work going on. Um, it's kind of interesting if you look at what's happened through you know, the war in Europe. Um, for us in Europe, that's meant higher energy bills problems yeah. we were just talking about. Of course, for some Gulf states, that yeah. has meant a lot of extra money, and that money is yes. investable. Yes. And they know that, you know, times are 
coming to an end in the next decade or so, or two maybe, for hydrocarbons. And so they want to get a, invest elsewhere. In the UK, we have four of the 10 best universities in the world. So we have a lot of the science and technology in green tech. So what I was talking to you know, them about in Saudi Arabia, in uh, Abu Dhabi, was um, making those investments in the UK, which they're already in many cases doing, but there are more to do. Will they buy all the football clubs? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I was with the, the, the chairman of Manchester City, who, uh, who tells me he goes and watches nearly all of their home matches, which is quite a commitment from three and a half thousand kilometers away. But do you think, I mean, will there be any Premier League clubs that that will, you know, be in, in British hands? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, but I, look, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we it, the UK does have, um, obviously, a historic record of being one of the most open economies in the world, and it works both ways. We own huge amounts of investments in foreign countries. So if you go to the, the United States, for example, you'll find that the UK owns lots and lots of businesses there and elsewhere. So we're quite open about that. I think with football, there is a sort of family community interest. It's interesting to see how some owners do manage to ingratiate themselves with their fans. Others not so much. And we always encourage them to to do that. But I'll I'll leave the, the detail of that to the experts. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of In The City. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, if you like our show, please just head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. This episode was produced by Summer Sadi. Special thanks to Tori Cochran and Abigail Morris for keeping the show on the road here in Davos. Hi there, it's Francine Lacroix, host of In The City. I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss. The Deal, co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers and executives like Maria Sharapova, Michael Strahan, Derek Jeter and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, media and entertainment and dives into the wins, losses and lessons learned along the way. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Originals on YouTube.